Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like, through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions. Made for farmers, by farmers, since 1966. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, your host for today's episode, and I am joined by the dream team at Iowa State University, Dr. Daniel Lanyares and Dr. Giovanni Trevisan. Thank you very much, Daniel and Giovanni, for coming on the show. Our topic today is disease monitoring, and in particular, we're going to talk about a, a disease monitoring tool that we use for d- domestic disease monitoring today, but one that can hopefully shift into reportable disease monitoring, should we ever have an, an outbreak of, of a new disease here in the United States. Uh, Giovanni, would you like to kick us off with a little bit of a, an introduction and overview to the SDRS program? Sure thing. So we are very happy to house the Swine Disease Reporting System here at Iowa State University. That is a Swine Health Information Center funded project. But it's housed at Iowa State, but it's a collaborative project between Iowa State University, University of Minnesota, Kansas State University, South Dakota State University, and the Ohio Animal Disease and Diagnostic Laboratory. That we share diagnostic data with an objective of providing animal health information to take informed decisions in the field. So this project has uh, the collaboration between these VDLs and collaborators and participants of those videos, plus a very uh, active and engaged advisory group that is veterinary practitioners distributed across the United States swine industry that provide feedback to the diagnostic data to associate detection plus what's seen in the field to report the trends of this information for our audience. Excellent. Thank you, Giovanni. Um, It's quite a a large uh, portion of the industry that you're certainly getting diagnostic information from. Daniel, do you want to talk to us a little bit about what specific agents that the Swine Disease Reporting System monitors for today? Yeah, so the system can be broken down almost in kind of two big buckets. The first bucket is the molecular screening of, uh, so looking at PCR, uh, level screening for different pathogens, including PERS virus, the enteric coronaviruses, right? The uh, PED, Delta, and TGE. And uh, also, more, more recently, uh, mycoplasma hyaluronemonias was added. PCV2 uh, uh, data was, was, was added. And more recently, influenza A virus was added. And uh, besides the, the, the PCR data for PERS, we also track uh, or five uh, information from those labs. And most of this, uh, the database for those pathogens are uh, updated uh, daily. And so have the capability to track what's going on in terms of submissions and test results for those agents. That's one big bucket. The other big bucket is uh, um, still uh, housed here at Iowa State and using information only for, from Iowa State because this lab, the diagnosticians, came along and developed what they call the diagnostic codes. The diagnostic codes are essentially for all the tissue case submissions, right? When there are tissues, the diagnosticians 
based on the information, what they see in the microscope and some other tests that are done, they come up with disease diagnosis. So that's beyond just detection, that's really diagnosis, the best uh, judgment call here by the diagnosticians. So for this case, maybe PERS virus was the cause of that lesion in the lung, and that other case maybe PERS and, and uh, uh, Lawsonia, right, in, in uh, enteric and, and, uh, and, uh, and respiratory. So multiple cases may have multiple, uh, same case may have multiple di uh, disease diagnosis or, or not. So we track uh, that and report also trends of what's, what's going up in the, and down in terms of those two buckets, right? Disease uh, pathogen detection by PCR and the disease diagnosis as defined by the diagnosticians. That's tremendous. We've got pathogen detection. We've got disease diagnosis. We've got it all in one location and we've got daily updates from the vast majority of all the swine cases submitted every day throughout the United States. That's a treasure trove of information for veterinarians and researchers. Uh, Giovanni, I know you've had the ability to dive into that database. Um, what have you learned as you've started to, to piece apart those diagnostics? What are, the, what are the key findings coming out of the swine disease reporting system right now? Uh, the first thing that we have when we have this large database is the ability to explore and see trends and ask better questions why those are happening. And when we look for this information, we have a complete set of uh, database that is based on information from South Farms, nursery and finishing site. And when we look at that and taking PERS as an example, we can see a clear seasonal trend of detection with higher detection occurring during winter time for this agent. But when we broke that by farm time, farm type, there is an increase in detection that occurs first in breeding site, in, in growing sites, and then follow increased detection in breeding herd. So that explains for us and highlights the importance of finishing sites in the microepidemiological aspects of PERS detection. And as an example, if we want to do better uh, things with PERS, we need to look for growing sites in terms of biosecurity, the PERS regional infection and spread. So that's one high level uh, highlight. And, and so, Giovanni, just interrupting a little quick. So we call that the, that the growth finishing herd is not Las Vegas. So what <laughs> happens in the growth finishing herd doesn't always stay in the growth finishing herd, right? It finds its way back to the south farms. It's a way that we like to put it in a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. That's very okay. true. And, very true. And, and when we look for that much epidemiological aspect of detection growing sites, is the high level of detection that we have our age categories occurring growing sites. But when we look specifically for south farms, and in the last five years, there is a trend for increased detection that's occurring there. So more uh, positivity coming in these samples. And that also raised the question, well, are our breeding herds being more infected first wise due to the high activity that we see in the videos? So that's one example. Another is if you go for another virus that affect the respiratory, that's influenza A, we have a bisazonal pattern of detection that is occurring during uh, spring and fall months. We have higher level of activity and a similar thing occurs there. First detection starts to increase in growing sites and then go for breeding herd. So there is a, a macroepidemiological aspect of detection interconnected probably between those agents. And we have a, a team here at the SCDS that is a group of students that are working on that. And one specific agent that is Guilherme Cesar is looking for that in terms of PERS and influenza uh, connection detection there. What else, Daniel? 
OPD is not very different, right? There is a high level at this point as we speak of, of PD activity. Think different things associated with that as uh, brought by us from by the advisory group. A uh, little bit of import in, in importing some of those PD uh, uh, activity from Canada and some other hotspots uh, in the in the US in terms of the states that have a higher detection at this point. Right. Right. And and why we say that there is more activity of PD because on this SDRS data today we have more than a hundred algorithms that scan the background of this information at overall level, at state-specific level, to see if our detection that we are facing on the month of May of 2022 is above expected for those specific baseline that's constructed using historical data. That's one big endeavor of the project is try to early identify changes in the pattern of detection. So that's built on, and we do report that on on PDF reports, online dashboards that you can go and look at the, the project webpage that is fieldapp.org slash SDRS. But on the other side that we need to look for this data is, well, maybe we are not able to detect those things by looking for our, uh, specific algorithms. But if a veterinarian produces highlights for us, hey, there is something going on. And take the example of pers on c variant when it first started to emerge, in Minnesota, somebody say, hey, something is going on here. Can you look for that data? We could go very quickly for the database that's shared on real time by these VDLs and look that there was more detection of one specific strain. There was a drop in CT values for lower historical values. And there was more activity of PERS virus in that specific state at that time of the year compared with historical results. So we have the ability to wrap the response for questions of the industry and provide information if that's changing or not. So the ability of have these interconnected VDL diagnostic results provide us the ability to do that of monitoring and early detect or respond to emerging or re-emerging animal health threats. Anything that the, the diagnostic labs test uh, essentially yep. test for, yeah. Very good. I think this is tremendous, guys. You've taken uh, an industry challenge that's present today with domestic disease and is going to be present in the future with reportable diseases, whether those are emerging diseases that develop here in the United States or, or diseases that come across into our borders from another location. Um, and the tool works for both. We can use it for the domestic disease concerns today, get value out of it right now, and we can also use it for, for future diseases that we don't even know about today. As you said, the algorithms, the connections with the diagnostic labs, they, they've got tremendous value. Now, I know you guys make the information available, and Giovanni, you mentioned the website that people can, can go to to find the swine disease reporting uh, system information. Uh, you also do a, a podcast, not dissimilar to this. You do a, an interview every once in a while with veterinarians to kind of dive deep into what trends you're seeing. Do you want to give a little plug for, uh, for folks who may want to stay close to the SDRS going forward? How, how do they find the information on the web or be a podcast or however else you guys are sharing it? They can share, Giovanni shares that in many different ways, of, including emailing lists. People can email us, we'll be happy to include in the list. So the uh, Swine Health, the Chic releases that information also in their weekly newsletter that goes out every first Tuesday, Tuesday of the month. There is the webpage that Giovanni mentioned, fieldapp.org slash SDRS. And uh, like you mentioned, we are also recording the podcasts. And, and uh, thanks to you 
right? Because you gave us the idea, hey, you guys should record the major findings once a month uh, to share with the industry what you guys are seeing. So we we followed your lead, <laughs> Clayton, and we do record those podcasts trying to add value to the industry on how to you know, digest what's going on in the database once a month. Salmonella presents significant challenges to pig health and performance and poses food safety risks to humans. As the first and only vaccine offering live attenuated strains of both Salmonella cholerasias and Typhimurium, Enterosol Salmonella TC from Beringer Ingelheim protects pigs against both stereotypes with a single oral dose. Talk to your Beringer Ingelheim representative to learn more. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for the overview, Giovanni and Daniel, of the swine disease reporting system. I also want to thank uh, Paul Sundberg and his entire team at the, uh, at the Swine Health Information Center at Schick for having the vision and the foresight to, to fund this effort. I think it's, it's truly excellent use of those funds and great application, not only for the domestic diseases we have today, but for the ones we may have to encounter tomorrow. Thank you to our audience for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinehealthblackbelt.com and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss out on the next episode. Have a great week and we'll see you again next week. Hey everyone, we're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt at swineit.com and we would love to take a look at your research.